0: Hello, and welcome to Let's PharmaNize, a proud member of the Pharmacy Podcast Network. I'm Shane Gerritsen. I'm Cal Vandercryft.
1: And I'm Kelly Kerr.
2: And today we're talking about the new Netflix original trilogy, Fear Street.
1: All that and more on Let's PharmaNize.com.
0: The content of this podcast is not intended to be a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The views and opinions expressed within are those of the authors and speakers themselves and do not necessarily represent any affiliated institution or third party. When you watch a movie, particularly a horror movie, it would be beneficial to the overall enjoyment of the film-watching experience to a certain degree, suspend disbelief, and temporarily pocket your typical assumptions about what's real and what's absurdly fictional, all in a futile attempt to prevent yourself from asking questions like, how did the bad guy survive that? And seven EpiPens, really? (laughs) For pharmacy students and other medical personnel, Whether you're students or nurses or doctors or pharmacists, it's tough sometimes to turn off that analytical mindset and just shut up and watch it, as my wife likes to say. (laughs) This inability to switch off is why we're here today. And where are we, you might ask? (laughs) Well, don't you know by the title of this episode? Fear Street USA. Spoilers ahead for parts one and two of Fear Street. Major spoilers ahead. Fear Street is a new trilogy from Netflix. All three parts were released over the course of three weeks earlier last month, directed by Lee Janiak and based on the series of books from the same name by R.L. Stein of Goosebumps fame. Fear Street, however, is not Goosebumps. It is full of language, intense violence, and gore. These are not kids' movies, so Calvin, you can't watch it. Dang. Fear Street centers on the small town of Shadyside and its 300-year history of violent rampages.
2: This is Ruby Lane. She sang as she murdered her boyfriend, her friends. Why didn't I see this on the news? Because it happened 30 years ago, 1965. Look, 1978, 16 years ago. Mass psycho murders a bunch of kids at Camp Camp Nightwing.
1: Yeah, my mom's sister was there.
2: 1950. Local milkman slashes a bunch of housewives, 1935, Humpty Dumpty Killer, 1904, Grifter Guts Girls, and on and on. It happens in Shadyside over and over. Normal people turn into psychos. Jesus.
0: Seemingly unlinked, a person would go randomly crazy and carve up their friends, hack and slash their way through a summer camp full of teenagers. No one could explain the strange behavior of Shadyside's notorious killing frenzies or why ordinary citizens tended to just snap and go insane with violence and rage. That is, no one could prove what caused this. But people had their suspicions, particularly with how the rampages first began, 328 years ago. Before the town was divided in two and earned the names Shadyside and Sunnyvale, of course, I'm talking about the curse of Seraphir. The witch, who in 1666 was captured and hung by the citizens of Union, but not before she made a deal with the devil to maintain control of the land long after her body has withered and decomposed. Here's the the curse itself, I'll read it. Before the witch's final breath, she found a way to cheat her death. By cutting off her wicked hand, she kept her grip upon our land. She reaches out from beyond the grave to make good men or wicked slaves. She'll take your blood, she'll take your head, and she'll follow you until you're dead. Pretty spooky. Spooky. Yeah, it's pretty spooky stuff. I also mentioned that it's a trilogy, with each part largely taking place in a title year, 1994, 1978, and 1666. The movies are a lot of fun. My wife and I really enjoyed the trilogy. And if you haven't seen it yet, check it out, especially if you like slasher horror. They do the genre really well, and the payoff at the end is well worth the five-and-a-half-hour runtime it takes to watch all three. Now, I know what you're thinking, Shane. Where's the medicine? Isn't this Let's Farmanize? Not Let's Review Slasher Movie-manize? Let's (laughs) Fearmanize. Oh, I should have gone with that one. Dang it. Well, I'm glad you asked, my precious listeners. But there's still a lot more exposition to sift through. I'll skip to the third act of part one. Five friends, Dina, Sam, Josh, Kate, and Simon, have been terrorized across the town by three seemingly unstoppable killers. The friends have tried everything they can think of to try and defeat the unkillable monsters, from shooting to stabbing, even lighting them on fire and blowing them up. They're running out of options. They've also realized that the monsters are targeting just one of their friends specifically, Sam. Earlier in this film, Sam was in a car accident and accidentally bled on some haunted bones in the forest, and now demons want her dead. Don't you hate it when that happens?
2: Sucks.
0: It's a a frequent inconvenience in my life. It really is. Mm -hmm. So they get an idea based on a previous survivor from the attack in 1978, 16 years prior. In the end of the rhyme, which has persisted as a reminder of the curse for 300 years, the rhyme, if you'll remember, ends with, She'll take your blood, she'll take your head, she'll follow you until you're dead. The friends figure out that the survivor from the attack in 78 actually did die. But was resuscitated with CPR. Ah, loophole! The gang puts two and two together, which usually equals four, but in this case equals kill their friend Sam. Simon then describes how his brother OD'd on drugs previously and was brought back to life with epinephrine. We already know what the problem with this is, but let's yeah. keep going first. They went to the, um, the Pulp Fiction School of Medicine. <laughs> you gotta do is, you gotta be needle down in a stabbing motion. I gotta, I gotta stab her three times. No, you don't gotta stab her three times. You gotta stab her once, but it's gotta be hard enough to get through her breastplate into her heart. Then once they have an idea, it's up to Kate, our friendly neighborhood drug dealer, to provide the goods. The plan has four steps involving drugs. The first step is a pile of pills to calm Sam down, make her relaxed. And Simon describes this feeling in a way that I can't repeat in a PG rated podcast. The next step is a pile of pills that will bring down Sam's core temperature. Step three is the big one. This is the one that's going to stop Sam's heart. Step four, once Sam's heart stops and the boogeyman are allegedly subdued, then step four, EpiPen. So I actually paused the movie cause you can actually see each pile of pills. And I went and I looked at them and I put, I ran through a pill identifier and I figured out what they are. Is it just diphenhydramine? We'll get into it, but yeah, that'd be a a good guess for the pink footballs, but not quite. Step one. Two round blue pills and four pink footballs. So based on the size and how bright blue the pills are, these are either oxycodone 30 MIGs or clonazepam one milligram, one MIG. I'm thinking they're clonopin one milligram, and I'll tell you why in a second. All of the round blue pills are good options though. You've got diazepam morphine, lots of manufacturers of oxycodone, all really good options. The pink football ones are a narrower set of possibilities. I only came up with two, either Percocet 2.5 or Allegra 180. Odds are that it's not Allegra. So let's say it's Percocet 2.5. And that's why I think the other one's probably clonopin, just so they have like a mix of two different drugs. (laughs) Step two is four blue three-sided pills, little blue triangles and eight, yellow-green capsules. The yellow-green capsules might sound familiar. There's one great option, and we've done an episode on them in the past, That's also uh, they've also famously portrayed by a different Netflix series, Librium Chlordiazepoxide, 5 milligrams. Although in the Queen's Gambit, they were green on green, I think, but it, when you run them through the pill identifier, they come up with Chlordiazepoxide, that's the only option. The blue triangles, however, a little harder to place. Based on their large size, the only possibility is lamotrigine 200 milligrams, or lamictal.
2: Oh. What is um like brand name Xanax? I thought those were triangular.
0: Brand name Xanax. Don't they have are they blue with an blue X with, cut out?
2: Yeah. Aren't they triangular though? Or am I or am I going crazy? I don't think they're triangular.
0: I think they're round. I got to look. Gotta look. Is yeah.
1: lamictal for seizures?
0: It can be, yeah. Yeah, okay. that is what it's used for. Mostly for seizures or for bipolar disorder.
1: Okay.
2: Nice.
1: I'm not dumb.
0: No, no, it, it's <laughs> one of those um,
2: breakable ones. Like... Um,
1: the Xanny bars? I
2: like it. Those yeah, are the two Zanny milligrams. Bars. Okay, okay. Yeah, two milligrams are yeah. or two and maybe but one. But isn't two. there... God knows, I think I've seen like a blue triangular pill, though, and I'm just going crazy or something.
0: The only ones that match the size here and like the soft, rounded, triangular corners is Lomotrigine. <laughs> There's Bistolic 2.5 are also blue-round triangles, but they're way too small. Those are really tiny. These tabs were pretty big, you could tell. Can you think of what might be problematic about giving a patient who's likely never taken the drug suddenly 800 milligrams of lamotrigine? I don't know. Sedation? Mm, Possibly, yeah. Stevens-Johnson syndrome. Oh. Stevens-Johnson syndrome is a potentially fatal immune hypersensitivity reaction that can be triggered by improper titration of lamictal. SJS can also evolve into toxic epidermal necrolysis, where the skin just sort of sloughs off the body. Lovely. Yeah. While SJS is highly unlikely and occurs in a very small subset of the population taking lamictal, there's other potential consequences as well, including rhabdomyolysis, which is where the muscle fibers die and release their contents into the bloodstream. Either way, Sam's going to need more than an EpiPen. Step 3. After that, there's an important five minute interval, which Simon explains, it's actually, it's totally nonsense and it's it's included in the plot for no reason other than to increase drama and and further the story, the action. Then Sam must take six red and white capsules and four green and black capsules. These are the ones that will allegedly stop her heart. Black and green pills, only one option. Again, it's Librium 10 milligrams. I don't know why Netflix is so obsessed with Librium. It's like they've never heard of Xanax or like literally any other benzo. Those red and white capsules were a little bit more troublesome for me. Because do you know how many different capsules are red and white? Okay. All of them, yeah. so many, a ridiculous amount. You got Hyoscyamine, Cephidroxyl, Percocet, Pancrolipase, Agronox, Zonogran, Ramipril, Propaphenone, Celebrex, Sinesamide, mycartis Lyrica. The list pretty much stops there, but you get my point. <laughs> but just by the way,
2: I said Xanax. I was thinking about the Xarelto ones, the red triangle ones.
0: Oh, those with the, the
2: curved Yeah, edges? the curved triangle. Yeah. That's what I was like a
0: three-sided stars.
2: Is annex, yeah.
0: Same yeah. thing. Is it yeah. Those are really tiny too though. Yeah. Yeah, really small.
2: Yeah. And they sharp know why. The
0: sharp edges. Yeah, no, I know what you mean. I don't know about. why my brain told me X, they were blue. I don't yeah. know. They're yeah. brownish, aren't they? They're like reddish brown. Yeah. yeah. Nasty colored. So None of those drugs that I just mentioned are really great options. Hyaciamine maybe could kill you at that low dose due to its anticholinergic effects, but probably not. Celebrex might give you an arrhythmia. We've got Percocet again, but it's too obvious. I don't want to talk about that one. Pancrolipase, give me a break. That's not going to do anything. (laughs) There was one drug, however, that I mentioned that could do something interesting. Lyrica? Do you know what? It's not Lyrica. I don't know. They went too fast. (laughs) I did. Propafenone. a Vaughan Williams class 1 agent, which in simpler terms means that if you have a wonky heart rhythm, this drug can fix it. In more specific terms, proprafenone is a very potent sodium channel blocker. It also has mild and at high doses potentially significant beta blocker and calcium blocking properties, which if you remember anything from cardiology pretty much covers every single part of the, the cardiac action potential. Sodium influx is blocked, which stops the depolarization, and at that point, you don't really need to do anything else, but propafenone says, let's do it anyway. And propafenone blocks not only the calcium influx, but the beta receptors on the vasculature as well by modulating potassium outflow. So we've identified the pills. That's the first thing I did. But then I noticed that there was a label on screen for a brief second, just a split second during a rapid fire quick montage of Kate assembling pills, piles of pills. Now in the movie, the label is illegible. But if you take a screenshot, put it up in Photoshop, bump the brightness and the contrast and throw a sharpening mask on there, you find out that supposedly, somewhere in all of these piles of pills is Atenolol. Okay. Which might sound interesting because after running shapes and colors through a pill identifier, none of the tablets or capsules came up Atenolol. Atenolol in its non-combination form is for most manufacturers, a small round white or pink pill, a tablet specifically. Which means, we got you, Fear Street. You thought we wouldn't notice, but we at Let's Farm and see everything. I will be expecting an apology letter in the mail. <laughs> Since none of the pills she took actually resemble a tenolol, I'm not going to entertain it as one of the possibilities. Although, wouldn't that make more sense if you wanted to stop the heart and then bring it back
2: with resuscitation? Wouldn't you rather want to give a beta blocker than something that's going to mess with the physiology of the
0: depolarization? Potentially. I I didn't really look into beta blocker overdoses. However, do you know what's used for beta blocker overdose? It's glucagon. Glucagon is used for a beta blocker overdose and not because it reverses the activity of beta blockers. It's not necessarily a reversal agent, but studies have shown that glucagon maintains normal cardiac function, even in the presence of beta blockers. So it just keeps your heart doing its normal thing, even though beta blockers are you trying to have slow to it down. Keep giving glucagon until it wears Probably off. Probably until guess. the body yeah. eliminates the beta blockers. Most of them have pretty short half lives anyway. They're not going to stick around for too long. Right. Interesting that they wouldn't give something else like that.
2: Yeah. Like a, I don't know, phenylephrine. I guess it could boost the heart rate. Mm. I guess that's not a good long term solution.
0: Probably not. Well, there's no long term solution really to antidotes. Well, yeah, that's kind good. of the, the thing. Did you have something you want to say?
1: Yeah, I have a question. What's up? You know how they cut to shots of like piles of pills? Yeah. Are those pills in movies real or are they made by prop departments? Do you That's know? a good
0: question. I don't know. I would imagine that they're fake pills, that they're sugar pills.
1: I mean, who knows? No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> yeah. Well,
2: so
0: it's not it's, – uh, it's legal.
2: Anyone can just buy capsules. That's that why too. I'm sure capsules are a lot more frequently
0: used than tablets in a lot of right. – f- films however because- if you buy capsules i don't know if you can buy colored capsules you don't think i don't think you can i think when you buy capsules in bulk like they're just clear i think we'd have to google that i'm pretty sure you could buy colored Maybe. capsules if you wanted to there's really strict legislature involved in like designing pill designs though because they have to be different
1: if you make a pill bottle like are they basically forging like what a doctor would do onto a pill bottle I'm sorry that was really
0: No, that's a good question. That okay. does raise a good question. Like or for instance, if there's a prescription itself on screen, would that be considered a forgery? Yeah. I don't think so since it's the act of making a movie. Yeah. Or like a film or something. That's a really good question. What if one of also- the
1: extras took it? And, just, and brought it to a pharmacy. Yeah. <laughs> that
0: would be illegal.
1: Okay, okay. Yeah, you can.
0: You can whatever color you want. You can use. Really? But you can purchase. Yeah.
1: Oh wow.
2: You can also purchase vegetarian or gelatin capsules, which is nice. Apparently. Yeah. Thanks, CapsuleSupplies.com.
1: I mean, I know in movies. Capsule <laughs> I know in movies they don't smoke real cigarettes. Like John, they don't. No, John Hamm on Mad Men smoked catnip cigarettes. That's what they are. They're like herbs all rolled up, and they're less bad than tobacco. But bad still, kind of. Because you're
0: inhaling those um, incomplete hydrocarbons. Yeah. Well, I think about all the people that are, like, totally
2: not inhaling the, you know, totally. Yeah. You know, Bill Clinton-ing that that
0: cigarette. Oh, no. (laughs) Or, like, uh, Martin Sheen for Mass Effect. Yeah. Because he was the elusive man and he would just suck Mm -hmm. on a pen. Because, you know, it was a video game. Right. So when he did motion capture, he would just suck on a pen. No, see, that makes sense. Yeah.
2: Okay. There's there's actually, like, black and red capsules. That sounds kind of (sighs) dope. Who knows? Interesting. That seems like that would be something you wouldn't want to take. Anyways.
1: Are you going to make your first purchase? Today? I might.
2: Well, they're
0: $58. All right. I don't know if I Wow, might. okay. That is That's expensive. <laughs> okay. So let's talk about the actual execution of the plan. Here's where things get unpredictable. The friends are holed up in a grocery store where Simon works, and in an attempt to bait and trap the monsters, the friends use Sam's blood to attract them, with the plan being to distract the monsters long enough for Sam to then take the medication in order and stop her own heart. Things start off going according to plan. Sam takes the first two piles of pills, but then before she can take the last one during the five minute wait period as described by Simon, one of the monsters knocks over the tray of pills, and Sam and Dina have to flee to another part of the store. Everybody is cornered. Two of the friends are dead and the monsters are closing in on Sam and Dina. Their plan for stopping Sam's heart is now impossible and they need to do something fast. Suddenly, something in the grocery store catches Dina's eye. Something in the seafood department, something that's captivated the eye of dozens of children throughout the years, including me. Can you guess what that might be? Lobster tank. Yes, it's the lobster tank. Good guess! Dina gets the bright idea to drown Sam in the lobster tank. In a very intense standoff, the monsters are closing in, Dina pushes Sam's head beneath the chilly waters of the lobster tank. As the monsters inch closer in a very dramatic slow-motion scene, Sam slowly loses consciousness, her hands go limp, and her heart stops. The monsters disappear, the lights flicker, and Dina and Josh realize that they have little time to act before Sam is lost forever.
2: It would have been a lot more convenient if she just had like a really bad allergic reaction to seafood or something like that. (laughs) Really (laughs)
0: convenient, yeah. So they frantically pull Sam out of the water, and here's a multiple choice quiz for you. What do you think is the first thing Dina does when Sam's on the floor? A. Immediately perform compressions to the tune of Two Worlds by Phil Collins from the Tarzan soundtrack, which, if you don't know, is one of the tracks with the correct beats per minute to which you can perform CPR. I really hope that's the correct answer. B. Uses a Ouija board to ask Sam's ghost what to do next. C, weep over Sam's cold body, or D, seven EpiPens to the sternum. I have a feeling it's going to be B, and I don't like that, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> okay, in case you missed the reference from the beginning, Oh, it's yes, Dina goes with the EpiPens to the sternum. And not just one EpiPen, seven, all in the same spot, upper sternum. After that, she does the weakest and worst compressions I've ever seen, just shameful they're they're embarrassing elbows drooping and like i mean it's like she does seven wimpy compressions and then a single rescue breath after 30 seconds of the worst massage of all time sam pukes up some lobster water and is miraculously alive they embrace and all is well until the inevitable twist that lives at the end of every slasher horror movie but that's not what we're here to discuss before we talk about the executed plan b let's talk about the original plan a Let's go over the dosages of those drugs again that I mentioned. So step one was two milligrams of clonopin and 10 milligrams of Oxycodone. Since Percocet is a combo pill, there's also 1300 milligrams of acetaminophen, which is a lot, but not quite dangerous territory. Step two, 800 milligrams of Lamictal and 40 milligrams of Librium. that's, That's a lot of Librium. Step three, the step that Sam wasn't actually able to complete, 2550 milligrams of Propafenone and 40 more milligrams of Librium. That sounds like a lot of propafenone, and it is. There's a lot going on here in general. Let's break it down step by step. First of all, the timing here is way off. Taking all of these medications would take much longer than just a few minutes to exert any kind of effect at a minimum of 20 to 30 before there's therapeutic levels of drugs in SAM's system. However, this is something that we encounter again and again with pop culture. Movies, shows, video games are huge offenders here, but we get it. You don't want the viewer or audience to wait around for the drugs to kick in. We want to see the action. We want to see it now, so we'll allow it. But that's the only mercy we will be demonstrating henceforth. Clonazepam and oxycodone at those doses, Sam's going to feel very relaxed. Those are both therapeutic doses. Clonopin clonazepam is going to have some pretty potent GABAergic effect, activating benzodiazepine receptors. This will slow down receptor firing by hyperpolarizing neurons, making the threshold for activation further away from baseline and dramatically reducing the excitability of neurons. Layman's terms, a chill pill. Oxycodone has similar effects on neurons, with its hyperpolarizing effect facilitated through kappa-receptor activity, as opposed to mu, which is where the analgesic effect is potentiated and oxycodone's affinity is the highest. High doses of oxycodone and clonazepam, actually any opioid and any benzo, are known to cause dangerous respiratory depression and result in quite a few overdoses. These doses that Sam takes, 2 mgs of clonopin and 10 mgs of oxycodone, are not that high. They're therapeutic doses. Oxycodone is well below the threshold for overdose. I don't necessarily think that these two drugs in combination would be of major danger. Major
2: not until you start bringing the librium into account with the but you, even even, still, then, two even milligrams not of not
0: really confidence? it's not particularly dangerous no
1: do uh do pills have stronger effect on people if they're smaller you know like definitely. alcohol mm-hmm. yeah
0: okay. absolutely that's a good question yeah definitely okay and she being the size of like a regular high school girl even at her smaller size than smaller than like a like a regular adult the doses I don't think would be too severe but that you, you do raise a good point yeah just wondered. Yeah. So, next up, we've got 800 milligrams of Lamictal and 40 milligrams of Librium. This step is a little bonkers. Lamictal's mechanism is complicated. Instead of increasing GABA or activating GABA receptors, Lamictal works by reducing glutamate. If GABA is the yellow light for the brain, glutamate is the green light of the brain. It is an excitatory neurotransmitter. Lamictal decreases glutamate activity, which means SAM has extra yellow light and less green light going on. And then you add 40 milligrams of Librium, and that's gonna have another really similar effect to clonazepam, same class of medication, benzodiazepine. Although I think it's a little more short-lived and perhaps less selective, which means it could have more adverse effects. That is an above therapeutic dose, but it's not dangerous. If you'll remember from the Queen's Gambit episode, we determined that the LD50, uh, which is the dose at which 50% of subjects die, was 123 mg per kg which would put the LD50 for Sam at like 7,000 milligrams, based on like the average weight of a high school girl. We're way below that. Lamictal I mentioned earlier could cause Stevens-Johnson syndrome. This is really rare, and it's mostly associated as far as I know with incorrect titration to therapeutic levels. A single high dose of Lamictal, while certainly not safe, would likely have different outcomes, and case studies have mostly associated this with no major toxic effects other than drowsiness, vomiting, ataxia, dizziness, and tachycardia. On to step three, or back to step three, 2550 milligrams of propafenone and 40 milligrams of librium, bringing the total librium to 80 milligrams. The librium is gonna cause additional sedation for sure, but where we are, we're not safe, but not lethal necessarily. The max daily dose of propafenone is 425 milligrams twice daily. So daily total of 850. Sam consumes three times that all at once. Sam would consume three times that all at once. For propafenone, the LD50 is 341 mg per kg, which is pretty high, almost three times higher than Librium. For Sam, that means you'd have to take 18 grams of propafenone to have a 50% chance of it being a lethal dose. That being said, people have died from less. There have been a number of case studies of propafenone overdoses, one of which involved the intentional overdose of about half that dose, and despite resuscitation attempts, resulted in death. In a few other cases, resuscitation was successful. A combination of CPR and administration of catecholamines could bring you back from the brink after a propraphenone overdose. Can you name some catecholamines? I don't know, man. It's been too many months in school. <laughs> it's been like three months. She got dopamine, norepinephrine, and epinephrine. Right. There's a few more, I think, but those are the big ones. In many of the cases, glucagon was administered as well. Can you? So I already asked you this, but can you tell me why they may have administered glucagon? I don't know. In Enlighten- like <laughs> In a propafenone overdose? Right. It's because that's the antidote. It's because propafenone's got beta blocker activity. Right. So they would use the other three to reverse its first activities, and then glucagon to uh, reverse the beta blocker activity. That's still amazing to me that glucagon would do that. Yeah. I mean, yeah. It's interesting. pretty cool. Yeah. Glucagon is not a reversal agent for beta blockers, but it's the first-line antidote because its effects of increasing heart rate and myocardial contractility are not affected by the presence of beta blocker drugs, meaning that the effect is facilitated through a different mechanism entirely, one that doesn't require or compete with beta receptors. The dose of an EpiPen is 0.15 milligrams of epinephrine. Seven EpiPens is 1.05 milligrams, a little more than a milligram, just negligibly more than a milligram. Can you... Tell me what you remember from the guidelines for cardiac arrest for non-shockable rhythms. (laughs) Like an asystole. (laughs) No. You don't remember the guidelines?
2: No, not
0: even a little. The first step is epinephrine, followed by CPR, which is exactly what Dina does. But that dose, seven EpiPens, that's ridiculous, right? Way too much. Actually.
1: That scene just keeps going in the movie. Like it's just like one and then two and then three and it just keeps on yeah
0: it was it's
1: long it (laughs) is long
0: but it's right the guidelines for asystole are one milligram of ivy epinephrine every three to five minutes and dina uses 1.05 which is negligibly more and if you factor in slightly reduced bioavailability All i right. couldn't find exact numbers on it but typically when you go from iv to intramuscular you do lose a tiny bit of bioavailability 1.05 is really close to the target it's it would be acceptable it would be it would be safe it might work so they have one piece of the puzzle the epinephrine it would also need dopamine glucagon iv fluids potentially lidocaine to stabilize an ekg and then proper cpr Sam's survivability is slim. It's possible, but very, very slim. Even though there's also a fair amount of opioids and benzodiazepines in her system, it's not enough to require Narcan or flumazenil administration. Let's grade Plan A. I'm thinking A for effort, C- for accuracy.
2: Way less than that.
0: You think so? I think they really tried. They had to have had like a pharmacist or a medical professional consultant who gave them some great advice and they accepted half of it.
2: Two milligrams of clonopin.
0: That's a safe dose.
2: Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah, that
0: sucks. They're trying to kill this girl. Right. So the uh, the first two steps of the medication or the of the drug cascade were just to get her like calm down and chill out. Oh. The killing d- drug would have been the propafenone, which at that dose would have worked, and EpiPen almost would have reversed it. I don't I don't like this. I thought it was it was more solid than, than I expected.
1: I mean, is the goal though to not give her so much? That she would not be able to be brought back, or is that even a factor?
0: That it's- that is definitely a concern. They wouldn't want to give too much clonopin or, or opioid because the epipen is not going to reverse it, like the infamous uh, scene from Pulp Fiction. That wouldn't work because you're not going to kick the opioid off the receptors. There's still going to be respiratory depression. But her doses were low enough that it would sedate her, but it wouldn't kill her.
1: Okay, because I've read a I read a book oh, like a while ago where a woman tries to like take a ton of pills to kill herself um, but she ends up in the hospital it didn't work however she has like major liver failure or like organ failure mm-hmm. afterwards so would that be like a risk factor for her if she would have taken like a large amount of pills and then they brought her back
2: oh yeah it depends definitely. on which pills because some are really dangerous after the therapeutic dose if like she if had, she tried to od on tylenol that most certainly would definitely happen. i
1: think it was tylenol on that that's book that gonna, i read
2: yeah that's gonna cause major liver damage i read that
1: like a few um, years ago
2: shout yeah. out to my how does how do you work tylenol episode from so long ago tylenol
0: i don't mess with tylenol so i i don't know i still think a for effort c minus uh, for, No, i'm so that's plan a we here, still gotta well, talk about plan B. i
2: gotta tell you it's a d minus and i d really minus. think that had they done the seafood, had she had a seafood allergy, then yeah, EpiPen makes perfect sense.
0: But EpiPen is the first step in the, in the cardiac algorithm for asystole. Like, I get it. Like, I, I don't hate it. It's not F quality. They even had the right dose of EpiPen.
2: I don't like it. No, it's not it. Th- this seemed like a stupid plan. Let listeners settle this debate. C minus C- or D C- minus? <laughs> or a D minus? <laughs> Why it didn't the grocery store grade. just have a pharmacy? It did. It did. Yeah. That's where they got the medications. That's where they got the pills. Yeah, from. and the EpiPens. Go take some more. What is? Why does she have to drown her in a lobster tank? Because it's a
1: it's oh, a dire situation. Their, their drug
0: dealer friend got killed. Yeah. She died. So she, she was down in pills in the pharmacy. And shop. let me
1: tell you, that death, man.
0: <laughs> don't spoil it because he's going to watch it.
1: Okay. 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 It's it's something if you watch it.
0: Nice. Yeah. Gross. Okay. So that was plan A. The plan didn't actually go. That way, the plan was not actually executed. Let's talk about plan B now, the lobster tank plan. Zombie ghost monster spills the pills, and Sam goes for a swim in the lobster tank. There's a lot physiologically going on in drowning. The Journal of Physiology in 2016 declared that we don't really know a lot about drowning, and then went on to explain it for 30 pages, so it seems to me like they might know a thing or two about drowning.
2: Imagine an RCT about drowning. (laughs) Half the population gets drowned.
0: That'd be awful. So. The organs are deprived of oxygen, the victim swallows and aspirates air, and there's a key distinction that makes drowning different from other events that require resuscitation, and that is hypoxic cardiac arrest. In contrast to cardiogenic cardiac arrest, which means originating in the heart, hypoxic cardiac arrest means the whole heart is not getting enough oxygen, and in the event of drowning, neither is the rest of the body either. All of the organs are in the same boat, so to speak. This can occur very quickly, within 60 seconds from aspirating water. There is a case study of a young child less than two years old who drowned and was resuscitated in 2005 using a combination of CPR and epinephrine and vasopressin. Epinephrine is a part of the resuscitation process, and while in the case of drowning isn't associated with better neurological outcomes, there's often still cases of brain damage. It's associated with better mortality. There's a couple of retrospective studies from various countries throughout the years, and they're not all consistent. So epinephrine is a component of restarting the heart along with CPR. However, the sternum is a terrible place to inject anything. You're not going to pierce the sternum with a 15 millimeter needle. That's how long the needle is on the EpiPens. And all of the drug is just going to bubble and collect in the subcutaneous space between the muscle and bone. There is very little muscle mass and poor vasculature to the space right in front of the sternum. The best place for an epinephrine injection is the thigh. It's a large muscle, lots of tissue and blood to absorb and circulate the drug, and it's accessible. You can use the EpiPen right through the clothing. It's like that horrible injection site from the drug from Equilibrium. Remember that? They'd inject it in the side of the neck. Oh yeah, that's, Yeah, that's awful. Another terrible place. The sternum, terrible. Plus, injecting seven times in the same spot, you're going to get a really nasty bruise. That is going to really, really hurt, especially how hard she was pounding her chest with it. Was it Pulp Fiction-esque? Were they, like,
2: stabbing? Do I have to stab three times, you know, that thing?
0: She just stabbed. Oh, yeah, I, I remember that. She just hit her, like, like seven times in, this, in the sternum. Just same spot. Same yeah. spot, over and
1: over like again. The exact,
0: it, it felt like maybe they actually did, like, draw a bit of a bruise on her towards the end of it. It kind of looked like.
1: I don't remember that. It was that. dark.
0: It was a good. It was a good movie series. Okay, let's talk about the next step in the algorithm. CPR. What are the magic numbers for CPR? There's two. Two. Is magic it
1: twenty? Is it sixty? I don't. I don't remember. It's
0: thirty and two. So thirty okay. compressions and two rescue breaths. The point of CPR is to circulate oxygenated blood through manual external pumping of the heart. Dina gives five wimpy compressions and a single rescue breath, and then she just waits. Sam stirs to life, barfs up some water, and is remarkably healed, and supposedly not suffering from brain damage usually associated with even brief periods of oxygen deprivation. There was a lot to unpack here. When my wife suggested that we watch this slasher trilogy on Netflix, no way did I anticipate that there was gonna be so much to analyze, so much rich pharmaceutical material to examine. Ultimately, I give the executed plan another A for effort and a C-plus for execution. Because while it would be more likely that Sam would survive drowning rather than a propaphenone overdose, there's still the little details that get in the way. In terms of entertainment value, it's a really great trilogy. We loved it. It's scary, funny, the plot is intriguing, acting is great, there's wonderful LGBTQ representation, which I love seeing more of, and like I mentioned, there's a great payoff at the end, which makes the five hours feel worth it. It's a great series, and if you have made it this far in the episode without having seen Fear Street, go ahead and give it a watch. And give yourself a scare. The end. Any additional thoughts on Plan B? It's not a C plus. I no. don't like it. What did you What did you think? So you D minus for the for Plan A, the propaphanone plan. What about the drowning plan?
2: I just don't think out of all of the things. Like I get it, split decision. You know, you're like you're you're moving qu- fast. This witch, you know, is gonna kill you. And you know, you look at a lobster tank and you're like, oh, let me go drown my best my best friend. <laughs> It seems like there's uh, so many better ways to kill. Somebody, especially if there was a pharmacy in
0: there, right? But she didn't know how to use the pharmacy.
2: I get if they, but if the drug dealer had already explained what was going to happen with this propafenone thing and the opioid thing, hmm. you'd think they would know. See what? What if they tried to do that? Here's a better ending. They try to get in to the pharmacy and they yeah. try to get out some dangerous drugs but it's a time delay safe <laughs> and oh, they have no. to wait three minutes <laughs> and then the yeah. witch just kills them
0: honestly though um proprafenone what would be like the number one drug to do that and then resuscitate yourself
2: it would have to be an opioid and then narcan oh. and then redo <sighs> and then resuscitate
0: i feel like the narcan though would be too slow mm, maybe oh you know it would be really good a paralytic something like vercuronium
2: they're not going to keep that in a in a publix but
0: maybe, i don't know maybe <laughs> you think no. they're
2: keeping sucks somewhere in the back
0: no but um i don't know A reversal agent for vercuronium there is one but i don't know what yeah. it is but that would stop the heart and then you could restart it with the reversal agent
2: would it stop the heart though yeah, definitely I, I mean but like if depends on where you inject. Enjo- if you did the sternum thing maybe
0: No, I mean, if you got a high enough dose, how are you going to give it
2: going to prep an IV real quick and
0: (laughs) (laughs) what other other drug options could you use? Atenolol would be possible. You could reverse that with glucagon and that's a narrower uh, selectivity than propapenone. So you got a better chance of actually directly reversing it instead of just reversing one of the effects
2: could you do like a GABA inhibition to the point of like just putting someone it might just take too long
0: i think yeah GABA would put you to sleep but then
2: you could just excite it with with another GABA excitatory drug
0: you mean like glut like glutamate or something
2: yeah you could give just a bunch of ambien or something like that and then
0: no i don't like that either that's terrible yeah working on something working on the cardiac function I think that would be that would be the best because you have to
2: resuscitate
0: because then you'd you'd be able to resuscitate yeah And
2: if you wanted to die you could dig you know so much tylenol but that's that's gonna hurt you it's not gonna help you know what's the easiest way to die but not die that's the question we're trying to ask ourselves
0: Thanks for listening. You can follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter to keep up with our episodes and content. And special thanks to Kelly Kerr for making our music.